Welcome to Southern Sisters Radio, the show for Southern women and the men who adore them. Join us as we celebrate life from a Southern point of view. Here's your host, author, founder of Southern Sisters Home, Jenny McCormick Earhart. Hey everyone and welcome to the Southern Sisters Radio program. We're back in the studio yet another week. The first week of spring. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is a welcome season as far as I'm concerned. You know, by the time spring rolls around, I've had it up to here with winter. Although <laughs> we haven't had a whole lot of winter no, this year. No, we haven't really. Yeah. I don't care where you're living in the South. Um, if you think you've had winter, no. <laughs> you're wrong. You haven't. It but didn't you didn't get that cold. So. <laughs> but then again, this is the South, which means winter could arrive at any moment. You know what I'm saying? This is what happens with my, the, like the tulips and the... Uh, you know, some of those little early flowers that come peeking out of the ground uh, uh, in early spring. Yeah, they get out and they're like, yay, and yay. then you get the random frost and it I know. kills everything It's off. like false advertising. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. But we're glad you're here joining us on the Southern Sisters radio program. Nothing I like doing better than talking about life in the South. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to talk about. There's no better place in the world, in my opinion. I agree with that. Yes. <laughs> uh, granted, I haven't really lived anywhere else, but... <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking there's no <laughs> chance that any place else is better than here. Well, there's so many people that I know who've moved here from elsewhere. Right. Who talk about how awesome it is down here. Oh, we I'm have. Gonna, I'm going to take their word for yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of converts. Yes, a lot we of do. northern converts mm-hmm. that come down here. Right. Oh yes. I got a lot of folks at my church, which is my, my church is sort of non-denominational, but mm-hmm. it has Baptist roots. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But we're just maybe a little more cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's one word to use. It's okay. Right. Well, you know what I'm saying. Well, you know, we have uh, our Sunday morning music is not, shall we say, it's not traditional. It's not your hymnals. Mm-mm. No, it's more like a U2 concert. That's fun, though. Yeah. Jazzes you, know, you up, gets you ready Praising God it. with some rock and roll. Nothing, Nothing wrong, wrong with that. With that. <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking like a Southern woman, Nick. <laughs> um, guys, we are so glad that you're here. We've got a number of things we're going to talk about on the show today. We've got a great couple of segments for you. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about um, plants for folks that don't have green thumbs. Ooh, for me. <laughs> and me. Because you, you know what spring means in my house, right? That means it's time for Jenny to kill some more plants. <laughs> Every year, I, I greet spring with this new sort of sense of optimism. Mm-hmm. This is the year that I'm going to plant things and they're going to live, right? Yeah. But I always forget, you know, these things have to be watered. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie. <laughs> but they look so pretty at Home Depot and at, at you know, at Pike Nursery. Yeah. And I'm pretty good at making some beautiful arrangements in the yard. But you know when you hit that really sort of early summer and you get that first really hot heat mm-hmm. and those new little plants really cannot go for more than a day or two without water. Oh, yeah. They got to get a lot of it. Right. And we do have a, a sprinkler system, but it doesn't hit everything. No. So you still got to get you got to get out there with the hose, mm. you know, and some nights it's just kind of like, oh, man, it's too hot. I don't want to go out there. So, yes, it's time for me to kill some plants in the yard. We're going to talk a little about that. <laughs> we have also got a springtime menu for you because mm. as I greet every season, it's all about the food. Yes. It's always about the food. And this is when things start lightening up. And I don't mean lightening up in necessarily a diet sort of way. I just mean fresh, new seasonal well, items. The citrusy stuff kind of starts to come yeah. to the top this time of year a uh-huh. lot for sure. We got some we got some all kinds of yummy pineapple and coconut and things like that Ooh. in our springtime menu that you're gonna you're gonna love today. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about the benefits of getting a good night's sleep. Uh. Now if you get a good night's sleep most nights, you don't think this is an issue. But if you're one of the 40% of Americans 
that say they don't get a good night's sleep every night of the week, that at least two to three nights a week they struggle with sleep, then you definitely understand the benefits of getting a good mm-hmm. night's sleep. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some ways uh, that you can ensure that you uh, have a good night's sleep and you are your fresh, wonderful self hmm. in the morning. I could use some of those tips. Well, I always said when I was raising kids, arrested mama was a nice mama. <laughs> that is also very true. Yeah. Yes. When those babies were little and I had four under the age of five and a half, there were so many days when I remember thinking, I could just do so much better if I had a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know what and I'm saying? Don't get any of those with little babies. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> They're so inconsiderate that way, I aren't know. they? Oh, gosh. Dang. And then we're going to wrap it up with a great Southern narrative, a beautiful story about a very wonderful gift mm. that a wife gave to a husband. Okay. So we're going to learn a bit more about that. Right. Let's talk about, though, um, what's going on coming up next month. Mm-hmm. We have got an exciting thing uh, coming, and I am personally so honored to be a part of it. For those of you that are big Pinterest fans, and you've heard me talk about this, I think a little last mm-hmm. week, the Pinners Conference is coming to Atlanta on April 21st and 22nd. And what is the Pinners Conference, you may ask? I know that you're wondering that, Dick. <laughs> what is the Pinners <laughs> Conference, it? Jenny? It is a conference for uh, anybody can come, right? But if you are inclined towards creativity, if you enjoy cooking or crafts or do-it-yourself projects, home decorating, um, if you just enjoy a great shopping experience, then the Pinners Conference is for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be held at the Cobb Galleria. Now, the Pinners Conference has been going on for a few years in other cities across across the nation. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time they're coming to Atlanta, and so far they are getting a great response. There will be more than 100 Pinterest-based classes that you can attend. Wow. Well, probably can't attend all 100, well, but you no. can pick your favorites. <laughs> um, yours truly is actually going to be teaching one of the cooking classes. Nice. Uh, so I get an extra big classroom. Uh, we can see, I think, 250 people in that class. Oh, wow. They're expecting 10 to 12,000 thousand people to attend the conference I'm though, not surprised so, no it's gonna be that's the thing you go on pinterest there's a little bit of something for everybody on there there is so that means at this conference there's going to be a little bit of something for everybody something that goes. for everybody absolutely so some of the class topics include beauty fashion do-it-yourself projects okay which is sort of the hallmark of pinterest oh, yeah. right uh, crafts cooking there's hey. me, right? Photography, home projects, self-improvement, and more. And the, the classes are going to be taught by all of your favorite bloggers, many of them you will know, and teachers, including Southern Plates Christy Jordan. Oh, She's wow. very popular. Craft Box Girls Lynn Lilly. Oh, oh, who's this person? Southern Sisters with Jenny Earhart. Oh, that would be me. <gasps> Who is that? <laughs> I'm going to be there, too. Erin Spain and more. And this is one of the best new shows for the modern creative woman. Awesome. And I like the way they say modern creative because we are living in a different era. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? This isn't just a couple of glue sticks and some construction paper. There's some crazy stuff that you see. I, what is uh, one big thing going now is like palette art. Yes. People taking palettes and busting them apart and doing, or yeah. not even, it, it's pretty well, crazy some of what they can do. I want to I want to learn how to do that. I, I hope they have a class on something like that. <laughs> oh, I'm because sure they you will. know, at the Southern Sisters Warehouse where we ship a lot of our products, mm. I got I got lots of lots of palettes. No, there you go. Oh, yeah, you I was just lugging palettes around this week. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was. I can, I can pick one up by myself. There you go. Um, yes, so palette art would be a great way to decorate the inside of my warehouse. <laughs> but anyway, this is going to be an awesome thing for you guys to be involved with. Tickets and class registration are available at pinnersconference.com. And guess what? I've got a code for you. <gasps> 
code. Yes. Promo code. I love promo codes. Guess what the code is? Jenny. And that's spelled G-I-N-N-Y. You go in and use that code and you can get a free general admission ticket and 10% off a class uh, admission to a class. Very nice. Mm-hmm. My so class will be on chocolate. Chocolate. So wait, is it like incorporating chocolate or are you just going to go and eat a it, lot of chocolate? You're going to do both, yes. which is how you need to yes. enjoy. I, I think it's important to be eating chocolate while you're learning about chocolate. We are going to learn all about different types of chocolate. We are giving away free chocolate. If you register for my class, you will be getting free chocolate to sample and taste. We're going to talk about you know, the true enjoyment of chocolate, health mm-hmm. benefits of chocolate. Yes. We're going to be doing a chocolate ganache, chocolate oh. truffles, chocolate frosting. And I have Ooh. some free gifts to give away mm-hmm. also. My class is on Saturday. I think it's at 2 o'clock. You'll find out if you go on to pinnersconference.com. So as I said a few minutes ago, it's springtime, which means it's time for me to kill the plants. Uh right? But I have got real quick, I'm going to give you guys a rundown on some of the plants that, for for people who do not have a green thumb, these are the plants you may want to sort of lean towards. Lantana. They are heat and drought resistance, and they come in lots of different colors. Oh, I'll be planting okay. lantana in my yard. <laughs> Daylilies. These yes. are wonderful. You can plant those things. They they say they are the easiest perennial to take care of in hmm. your yard. So I'm going to plant some of those. Daylilies. I'm a big fan of herbs. Okay? Oh, yes. So far, I really haven't killed any herbs. I've got green onions and chives and oregano mm-hmm. uh, growing right now in my garden. Those last the year, and I'll be putting my basil in very uh, shortly. Yes. Also, succulents. Now, succulents. I love succulents. I have a succulent at home. I've had it for three years. My daughter left it at my house. I have tried to kill it, and I can't. <laughs> I went for three months without watering this sucker, and it is still alive. There you go. You it can't is. even kill it if so, you try. So if you're not good with plants, consider the succulents, guys. We've got a great show planned, and we'll be right back. Turn off the telly, Nelly. To the table, Mabel. Now sit up straight, Kate. It's time to eat, Pete. Have a banana, Hannah. Try the salami, Tommy. Get with the gravy, Davy. Everybody eats when they come to my house. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters radio program. It's the food segment. Nothing makes me happier. Oh, so perfect. I don't know. Kind of, springtime yeah, coming. Yeah, right? You know, there's one thing. I, I remember my grandmother saying that the older she got, all she talked about was food. This is true. And, and my children have been saying to me lately, Mom, you talk about food all the time. You know, it's either what I ate yesterday or what I'm thinking about eating today. Or what I'm going to eat later. It's because you realize yeah. it's one of the few things that actually matters in life. Well, it does, right? It's what you eat. Yes. Yeah. I, we need nourishment. Yes. And I'm gravely in danger of wasting away if what I don't. The, what is the true at Kathy uh, comment that's in all like all the Chick-fil-A's? We, it's, we uh, have to eat to survive, so we may as well make it good. Or I don't remember uh, yes. exactly, but something like that. Could that could be my mantra. There you go. <laughs> that could be my mantra. And good is a relative term. I mean, I, I, I'm, I like everything. But I have uh, uh, Nutella. I'm a big fan of Nutella. Oh, I had yes. some of that yesterday. That's wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, that's an easy. <laughs> so, what's on the springtime menu though? So we're going to do something fresh, relatively simple, because you know I don't like things too difficult. But when the weather starts warming up and springtime is here, I start thinking about ways to showcase some of the seasonal flavors that we have. Mm. You know, fruits, things like pineapple and Mm -hmm. coconut and things like that. A lighter variety. You see what I'm saying? Although I will tell you, the one thing that I like to include sometimes in my dishes that is pretty much wonderful year round is bacon. 
It never goes out of season. Yeah, no, no. Bacon's good. You know? 12 months a year. Yeah. Every single season. Doesn't matter if I can wrap it or in some way incorporate bacon into the dish. I'm going to do it. We have got an easy recipe for you guys. It's called slow cooker Hawaiian chicken. Ooh. Now, people have different opinions on slow cookers, but if you're a busy a busy mom, busy dad, uh-huh. right? And you have a lot going on during the day. It is a wonderful thing to come through the door in the evening and have your house smell wonderful awesome. because you put something in that crock pot in the morning. You know awesome. what I'm saying? <laughs> this is <laughs> so, so awesome. So we're doing slow cooker Hawaiian chicken today. Mm-hmm. And we're going to incorporate a little trick here for pan searing the meat first. Because sometimes when you cook things in the crock pot all day long, it kind of seems steams it and boils it. You don't really get a, you don't really get a nice crusty uh, browning you know what I'm saying? Yeah. On on the meat. So mm-hmm. we have a little trick here that's going to help you achieve that and still utilize the slow cooking method, okay? okay? You're going to start out with a cast iron skillet, something every cook needs. I have two, and I love them. Oh, yes. They're amazing. I just love them. I use them for everything. Uh, so using a cast iron skillet, you're going to heat about two tablespoons of oil over high heat, and you're going to brown six chicken thighs. Okay, I love the thighs. Right. They're nice and meaty. You want you want the skin on and the bone in in okay. this case. OK, you're going to brown them on each side for about three to five minutes. That's going to give you that nice browned skin on the outside. Yeah. You can achieve that. Now, to your slow cooker, what you're going to add is two cups of pineapple. Now, you can get the fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. You can get the canned if you can't find the fresh. But the fresh is usually a lot of times you can already get it in the little container already already yeah. uh, you know peeled. Yep. OK. So you're going to cut that up into one inch chunks, two cups of pineapple and one large onion. Also cut. You don't need to chop it. Just cut it into one inch chunks. Also to the crock pot, you're going to add three tablespoons of honey, two tablespoons of soy sauce, a half a cup of dark brown sugar Mm. and one tablespoon of grated ginger. Now, I will say this powdered ginger is not going to really be a great substitute in this one you know ginger is not that hard it keeps for a long time buy yourself a little hunk of that ginger root peel it off and just kind of just kind of grate that okay it's wonderful there's just almost no substitute for there are a lot of things where i say yeah you can opt for the for the dried version not with ginger ginger, i would do fresh yeah it's wonderful two cloves of minced garlic also you're going to add that to the slow cooker and give it all a little bit of a stir all right then you're going to take your browned chicken thighs place them back into the slow cooker Cover it, and you're going to cook on low heat for five hours or high heat for three. Just depends on how much time you have. Okay. You got that? If you didn't start too early in the morning and you're doing like I'm doing, which is running around at three o'clock trying to pull something together, this is what you do. You can still get it done. You can still get it done. So you're going to then, you're going to whisk together in a small bowl one tablespoon of cornstarch and one tablespoon of water, and you're going to add that to the slow cooker along with one red bell pepper cut into one-inch chunks, and then you're going to let it all cook an additional 30 minutes. Obviously, that cornstarch is going to go in there. That's going to help thicken up that pineapple juice, that mixture, so it's nice and thicker and more like a glaze. Mm. Got it? Okay, so stir. Are you gonna serve this over white rice? That's that. There's. I've tried easy it over peasy. different things. It's just as easy as can be. I like to sprinkle a little fresh chopped parsley on top, there you go. which I have not killed in my garden. <laughs> that's another one that's making it's it. Making it. <laughs> See, I try not. I just forget about the ones that I killed, and it's. I usually. Um, it's so funny because these days I'm sort of building my my little meals around whatever is still alive. <laughs> Showcasing the survivors. <laughs> <laughs> Showcase the survivalist dinner. I should really do a whole. You know, little. These are the things that made it through the <laughs> don't ask me about the ones that didn't sad story i just didn't get that southern woman gene for gardening 
That's okay. You now, took made up for it in cooking. I, yeah, I think That's so, sure. right? Which is the more important thing in my, <laughs> in my <you> opinion. <laughs> now, guys, alongside our slow cooker um, pineapple chicken, we're going to serve some roasted asparagus bacon bundles. Ooh. Doesn't that just sound yes. amazing? That is one of the weird... That you know, bacon obviously is amazing on its own. Yeah. It goes with most everything. Yeah. But something about asparagus and bacon together is just oh, it's so good. Now I've had another version of this where it was green beans wrapped in, like Ooh. long green beans wrapped in bacon. Everything is better wrapped in bacon, <laughs> guys. This is so amazing. It's a great accompaniment. Um, you're going to preheat your oven to 400 degrees, and you're going to divide one pound of asparagus spears. You want to trim the ends off. Divide them into five or six bundles, depending on the size of your asparagus, and you're going to carefully wrap a piece of bacon around each bundle Mm. and secure it with a toothpick. Place them in a casserole dish. You're going to combine one-fourth cup of brown sugar, two tablespoons of butter, one tablespoon of soy sauce, and one minced garlic clove in a small saucepan. Bring it to a boil over medium heat. Then pour this mixture over the asparagus bundles. Bake them in the oven for about 20 minutes. And then at the end, you're going to increase the heat to broil, right? And you're going to broil them for about five to six minutes, watching them carefully. Mm. That's how you crisp up that bacon at the end. Yep. Gotcha. This is one way to get you, you know, to and eat your asparagus. Easy. Oh, it's nothing. That's to easy it. peasy. Nothing. I don't do difficult recipes on this show. <laughs> I think our true. listeners appreciate that. That's very true. Most nothing of the stuff hoity you do toity. Is, is pretty pretty darn easy mm-hmm. and pretty darn delicious. Oh, yeah, I've always said absolutely. it does not have to have fifty ingredients for it to be wonderful. My my real transformation in my mind was in my early twenties when I made a a dish from Bon Appetit magazine for Thanksgiving that had thirty seven ingredients in it. It was a it was a stuffing dressing recipe. Oh really? Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is ridiculous. It was. It was. <laughs> it was okay. But you know, for thirty seven ingredients, it needs to be fantastic. It should have been the best thing you've ever put no, in your mouth, I right? Know, right. So back I went to my good old grandmother's, you know, cornbread, celery, onion, chicken broth, uh-huh. and sage recipe, which was my my family prefers anyway. Let's round out our springtime menu with a nice dessert. Okay. Perfect. Coconut lime tarts. Ooh. Now, guys, these are going to be all the recipes that we're covering today are going to be on the website. You just have to go to southernsistershome.com and click on the blog. These are beautiful. Not only are they attractive, but they taste amazing. Yummy. You're going to zest a lime, right? And set aside the zest. Set aside the zest. (laughs) You you got it? (laughs) That's a tongue twister right there. (laughs) That's a bad one. Now, this, I cannot understate how, or overstate, (laughs) I cannot overstate how easy this recipe is. Literally five ingredients. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've set aside our lime, our lime zest, right? Now, in a mixing bowl, what you're going to do is you're going to add one 14-ounce can of coconut milk. I love coconut milk. Mm. I use it in my, some of my Thai dishes that I do. Oh, yeah. It's not hard to cook with. It's, it's a wonderful addition to many recipes. Um, so you're going to use one 14-ounce can of coconut milk. Uh, you're going to use an electric mixer to whisk up the coconut milk until smooth, all right? Um, basically, what you're doing is you're reincorporating the cream into the milk, Ooh. right, until it's nice and frothy. Yeah. You're going to add the juice from, from the lime that you zested, right? You're going to add half of the lime zest and get this. This is a cheat. One 3.4-ounce box of instant vanilla pudding. Perfect. Oh, it's so good. It is. I promise. You're going to beat the whole mixture for two minutes. Then you're going to cover the bowl and put it to chill in the refrigerator for about one hour. Got it? You're going to preheat your oven to 400 degrees. Now, you are going to take some of that wonderful, you know, the refrigerated puff pastry mm-hmm. dough, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to lay out 
uh, the puff pastry dough, you're going to use a three and a half inch biscuit cutter and you're going to cut out circles of puff pastry. If you don't have that, you can use a, a, a glass that has yeah. about the same diameter, right? And so what you're going to do then is you're going to then take a smaller glass or a two and a half inch biscuit cutter to score each puff pastry circle, pressing down but not going completely through. This will create a lid that you can later remove after the pastry is cooked. Got it? This is going to be on the website, guys, in case it's a little confusing. You're going to cook the prepared pastry rounds at 400 degrees for 15 minutes or until they're puffed and golden. Remove them from the oven and then gently use a very sharp paring knife to pry off the pastry lids. You can then use a spoon or a mini kitchen press to finish off each cup of the puff pastry uh, to hold the filling. Mm -hmm. Allow that to cool. Load that amazing coconut lime filling into a large Ziploc bag, snip off the corner, and pipe the filling into the pastry puff. Top each tart with a dollop of whipped cream and a sprinkling of fresh lime zest. Perfect. It's beautiful. Wait till you see the picture of these things on my website. Ooh, it's gorgeous. So sweet, light, and it's refreshing. Gorgeous. Time right. to eat. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, do have a bagel, bagel. And welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Oh, that's an oldie but goodie. That's a good one. Yeah, that's actually long before my time. <laughs> Right? Yes, but I mean, this is a yeah. This is like a classic. It isn't is it? a classic. I you used know, to think this was like a children's nursery rhyme for well, the longest. What time. exactly is the Sandman? You know what? See, a good radio host would have looked this up and researched <laughs> this ahead of time. Because now that I'm thinking about it, what on earth is a Sandman? And if I thought a Sandman was wandering around my house at night, I'd, that'd kind of creep me out. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's what is, he, what point. is he coming up and looking in your window? I mean, there is there obviously there is some history here. There's some story behind this. Hmm. What the Sandman means. If any of our well-informed listeners know what the significance the Sandman has to sleep, um, please you know send us a message let and us let know. us know. You can you can email us at radio at southern sisters home dot com. You can also go and comment on our Facebook page, which would be nice. Now you know there's another good Sandman song. Um, isn't it the, um, you know, the uh, Metallica? Yes. <laughs> That's a great song. Okay, so one of my favorite, favorite little uh, clips from Jimmy Fallon Live mm-hmm. is when he took, he and his band had Metallica, and they oh. went into the studio, and they were using, like, elementary school yes. instruments. <laughs> and they, were, and they did it? That, yeah, that was great. <laughs> yeah, they were doing that song. It's awesome. Well, guys, if you, if, you, if you enjoy a good night's sleep on a regular basis, then you, you probably aren't even aware, uh, you know, of how wonderful it is to have a good night's sleep. It's typically, it's when you're deprived of something yes. that you start to truly, appreciate. truly appreciate it, right? <laughs> so, you know, you may or may not know this. But how well your body functions tomorrow will be a direct result of how well you sleep tonight. Very true. Right? Biologically speaking, sleep is one of the most important things for you. In addition to being an essential part of a healthy lifestyle, adequate sleep benefits your mind, your heart, your weight, and more. Mm. How about that? Wow. Now, if you need some convincing to get adequate sleep, here are some benefits of shut-eye. Improved memory. Oh, I could use that. Yes. Longer life. We could all use that. Definitely. Right? Less inflammation. And and as you start to learn these things as you get older, I've done, not from personal experience, but I've done some reading. Inflammation is linked to so many 
health issues in later life. Yeah, here at Salem, um, one of our big uh, sponsors here is Dr. Gazagoli from Progressive Medical. Yes. Awesome guy, and that's what he says. He goes, 95% of the problems that you have yes. are caused by inflammation. Really? Somehow, some way. How about Inflammation that? of muscles or, 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 well, or whatever you know, it is. My, um, my administrative assistant, Jeanette, she may be listening. She is a huge fan of Progressive Medical. Mm-hmm. It has changed her life. Actually, absolutely transformed oh, yeah. her health. Uh, and everything. She is a huge fan of that. We've we got to get them together sometime. That's, that's so interesting. Um, but it's definitely a healthier weight, lower stress, less accidents, less anxiety mm. if you get a good night's sleep. These are just to name a few. Now, if sleep is so important, then why are so many bad at hitting the pillow? All right. Consider these findings from the National Sleep Foundation. Did you know there was such a thing? I didn't. So the people that work at the National Sleep Foundation, do you think they ever fall asleep on the job? <laughs> I guess you couldn't really frown. These are the that, things I wonder. These are the things I wonder. <laughs> Your Something boss is wrong get with mad, me. right? Yeah, it's part of it. It's in the title. Now, listen to what they have to say. Millions of people do not get enough sleep, and many suffer from lack of sleep. Surveys conducted by the NSF right reveal that at least forty million Americans suffer from over seventy different sleep disorders, and sixty percent of adults report having sleep problems a few nights a week or more. Now, most of those with these problems go undiagnosed and untreated. More than forty percent of adults experience daytime sleepiness severe enough to interfere with their daily activities at least a few days a month. Mm. That's not good, right? 69% of children, that's kind of distressing, 69% of children experience one or more sleep problems a few nights or more during the week. I know that's more, there's much more tendency of that in teenagers. Well, that's for true. Sure. I, I have a theory that their whole biorhythm changes in those teenage years. It's got to be. Right? They there's, can stay up till 1, 2 in the morning and sleep till 10, 11, noon. Like at night the next night? Because oh, I've done that before. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, mothers like me that had teenagers, uh, you know, my last fourth final child mm. turned 20 last week. So oh, I no wow. longer have teenagers. But I remember going in there and making sure he was still breathing. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. you've got to. You do, you do. Well, guess what, guys? The Southern Sisters are going to share with you some sleep rituals that may help you get off into la-la land in no time at all. Oh. Okay? So take some notes. It will also be on the website. There you okay? go. Number one would be establish a pre-sleep ritual. Now, relax. Relaxing activities such as taking a bath and reading a book or doing relaxation exercises helps make the transition to sleep much easier, like a hot bath, something like that. Maybe do some light reading, something like whatever feels most comfortable to you. The idea is that you're bringing yourself to a calm, relaxed state, and that's what is ultimately going to help you fall asleep. Mm So I, I, I'm guessing that me in bed at night with my iPad walking, watching Walking Dead is not doing much for Probably not as relaxing. I can't help it, though. It's it so be. much fun. See, that this is my excuse for being a night shower. Yes. Because I have some people who say, you don't start your day with a shower. I yeah. always take mine at night. Yeah. And that's partly because I yeah. like to just stand in the water and just... <sighs> yes. So it, there you go. Right? It winds you yeah. down at the end of the night. How about this? Having a, have a sleep-inducing environment, okay? So try to limit your bedroom to sleeping. Consider getting rid of the TV, the computer, or other time-sucking gadgets. Oh, that's that that that's tough. That's tough. That's tough. 
<laughs> it's I, one of those. I ain't you, doing they, that. You hear it. You know it's right. You know it's true. <laughs> you just can't bring yourself to it. I ain't gonna do it. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, that would be hard. You know, I, I have. I know people that actually have a friend that swears by earplugs to minimize outside noise. Mm-hmm. Maybe an eye mask. Keep the temperature in your bedroom a little cool. Around 60 to 75 degrees is ideal for sleeping. You don't want your room too hot. Also, a comfortable mattress and pillows. Oh, yes. Okay. If you still have a mattress from the 80s, it might be time (laughs) to get rid of it. Right? And then, of course, dim and comfortable lighting. You don't want it. Obviously, we don't want it too bright. Um, How about this? Eat lighter in the evening. I have also heard Maybe, that. Yeah, I don't like that one. Well, you just eat dinner a little early and it's okay. It's okay? All right. <laughs> There's that. that. That works for me. A large meal promotes drowsiness, but it kind of delays digestion. And digestion of foods late at night will interfere with your mm-hmm. sleep, potentially causing you to wake up. Mm-hmm. So you might want to avoid this by eating your larger meal either in the day at lunchtime or just eating a little bit earlier in the evening. Yeah. How about this? Try some aromatherapy. Aromatherapy. Yes. And listen, hmm. this is, this is, you don't sacrifice your masculinity just because you engage in a little aromatherapy, <laughs> Nick. You, we could all benefit from this. Research has shown that aromatherapy may be effective in promoting relaxation. Scientists believe that the chemicals contained within some essential oils, like lavender and chamomile, may trigger some of the brain chemicals involved in sleep. I can attest to this. Really? Yes. I have hand lotion that I put on at night that has lavender in it. Years ago, a friend gave me a little bottle of lavender spray. I know this Mm. sounds crazy. It's called pillow spray. Now, oh, yeah. I've let me qualify by saying this is probably not something I would have gone out and bought for myself. <laughs> but when a friend gives it to you, you're like, what the heck? I'll try it. And well, so why I, not? Yeah, you spritz it on your pillow. And oh, it's, it's just funny you mentioned that. Relaxing. I figure, like, think like I should know that because when we bathe Cody, his nighttime bath, his nighttime yes. lotion all smells like lavender. Exactly. Duh, didn't right? think about that. Gets you in that relaxed state of mind. Um, avoiding alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine is always a good idea within, I, like, I have a friend who cannot drink caffeine after 12 noon. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not quite as affected by it, but mm-hmm. certainly if you're having any trouble with sleeping, try uh, addressing those, the yes. alcohol, caffeine, and nicotine. How about this? Set your internal clock. Now, I thought I found this to be very interesting. This is often overlooked, but it's very important to establishing a healthy sleep habit. You set this internal clock by going to bed and waking up at the same time every day. Mm. So on the weekends, this can be difficult to adhere to for obvious (laughs) reasons. However, try to stick to these established times as closely as you can in order to feel uh, to avoid feeling sleep deprived on Monday morning. Very true. You see what I'm saying? Also, don't watch the alarm clock. Now, that may be hard. Mm. Let me tell you. Yes, we've all done it. I've done it. Waking up and glancing at the clock to see how much more precious time of sleep we have. However, if it's within an hour or so until the alarm goes off, this may actually create the urgency to go back to bed. This is bad because it creates stress, making it much more difficult to get back to sleep. Yep. You know? Uh. Right? It's so much hard. It's so that. hard to not get an extra 15 minutes. It is. But sometimes it's detrimental. Ignorance is bliss <laughs> in this case, okay? So try this. You could either just turn the alarm clock around, right? Or you just use the set it on your alar- on your cell phone. Yeah. You see what yep. I'm saying? So if you open your eyes, you're not staring at the clock. Go to sleep when you're actually tired. Okay, so no, you don't need to thank me for this revolutionary insight here, folks, but you're you're welcome. Um, (laughs) If you find it difficult to fall asleep after about 30 minutes, 
you may have gone to sleep too early. Okay, mm-hmm. get up and do something relaxing. This can include some stretches or light reading. Then as you start to feel tired, head on back to bed. You got it? Yes. How about bump some binaural beats? You got one here queued up for me? Do you hear this? Binaural beats are great for inducing the requisite brain waves for sleep. The brain waves that you desire are the delta and theta. All right, that's for the deepest sleep. How about this? You can download these on iTunes. There you go. What do you think of that? Ooh, relaxing. Hmm. It's kind of hypnotizing. You're getting very sleepy. <laughs> I can't go to sleep yet. we got a show to do. Yes, Guy, we do. folks, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Now, with your Southern narrative, sharing stories from around the South, here is your host, Jenny McCormick Earhart. The Most Wonderful Gift by Cindy and Edward Miller. Lisa Rainey wanted to give her husband Ben the perfect gift. He wasn't exactly the cliched man who has everything, but he already had a lot. So what did he really need? How about a new kidney? The transplanted kidney Ben had lived with for 20 years was failing. What a generous, loving gift it would be if Lisa gave him one of hers. The two had been married for 11 years, so they both had learned to live with the possibility, if not certainty, of a second transplant. Both were ready. Although several of Ben's friends had stepped up to volunteer a kidney, none was a match. Lisa went through all the interviews and tests at Piedmont Hospital in Atlanta to determine whether her kidney would be compatible with Ben's body. I wanted so much to be the donor, said Lisa an executive at Workplace Interiors Company, Steelcase. But it was not to be. Lisa was not a match. Because of his previous transplant and frequent exposures to blood products, Ben had built up antibodies that made it even more difficult to find a compatible donor the second time around. Although Lisa was an otherwise perfect donor, the complexities of precise matching stood in the way. I was devastated, she says. I haven't cried myself to sleep many times, but I did that night. To the Rainies, it seemed simple. Lisa could not give Ben the precious gift she had intended. Or could she? Was there another way Lisa could turn her generosity to good use? From here on, the story gets complicated. Lisa did donate a kidney to someone who needed it but not to Ben. Her kidney was removed a month and a half after Ben received his replacement from someone else. How all this came about is a wonderful tale of beating illness, a couple's love, and the inspiring stories that are created when many people decide to give back. The story has been unfolding since 1995 when Ben's body started sending signals that something was wrong. First came headaches, then nausea, followed by truly massive headaches. His blood pressure was through the roof, his vision blurred. I didn't know what was happening, but knew it was time to pay serious attention, Ben says. Indeed it was. Kidney disease can creep up on you. Ben's physician later called it an indolent thing, in which the body gradually gets used to the pain 
so you don't know how much it really hurts until it stops. Except the pain didn't stop. The next step for Ben was months of dialysis, which proved to be a temporary solution. In November 1995, at age 37, he got a kidney from a young man who had died in a car crash. For 20 years or so, Ben faithfully took his medicine and went on with a second chance life, thanks to what he called the great success in his abdomen. Unfortunately, transplanted kidneys carry no lifetime guarantees. In 2015, some of the familiar symptoms returned, slowly at first, but it was soon clear they weren't going away. This time, Ben and his physicians knew what to look for and what to do. For Ben, by now the head of an Atlanta commercial real estate firm, a second transplant was a race against another course of dialysis. Here's the dilemma. Kidney dialysis can save and prolong a life, but statistically, it's a poor substitute for getting a kidney from a living donor. But donors can be hard to find. It often takes years to make a match, time the patient must usually spend on dialysis. Traditionally, a transplant is thought of as a straight one-to-one -one exchange from a single donor to a single paired recipient. That's what Lisa had in mind when she offered her husband a kidney. A more common exchange, however, is the domino chain. In this method, hundreds of people enter a registry, some as donors, others as needy recipients. The biological variety inherent in the pool increases the chance of finding a computer-generated match between strangers located across the country, and in some cases, around the world. A domino chain shortens the time it takes to make a match, a life-saving advantage. In Ben's case, it enabled him to avoid a lengthy stretch of dialysis while waiting for a matching kidney. It also provided him with a living organ, another significant factor that improved his long-term prognosis. Here's how the chain works. It begins with a kidney from an altruistic donor, someone willing to contribute an organ to a complete stranger. To receive that kidney, a recipient is required to arrange for another donor to contribute to the registry. That second donor's kidney goes to another matching recipient in the registry who has recruited yet another donor. The chain ends when the last donor is not a match for anyone in the registry. This last donor will instead give an organ back to the kidney wait list of the transplant center that offered the altruistic kidney that launched the chain. In the Rainey's case, the chain began with the pledge of a kidney from an altruistic donor in Texas. That kidney was matched with a recipient in New Jersey, and the donor recruited by the New Jersey recipient provided the organ that was sent via Delta Airlines to Ben in Atlanta. Because Lisa had volunteered to be a donor on behalf of Ben, her kidney went to a third recipient in this chain, coincidentally, someone in Atlanta. Because the subsequent Atlanta donor's kidney did not match anyone in the registry, the chain ended, and the Atlanta kidney was sent back to the source of the original kidney in Texas, where it went to the next person on the transplant list at that facility. 
Each chain is as long as it needs to be in order to give each recipient a matching organ. It's not uncommon for these chains to involve as many as 50 or 60 people. In the Rainey's case, there were eight people in the chain. Lisa's gift was so precious because most patients do not have a donor in their life, which explains the long waiting list for kidneys. Talk about a special gift, Lisa said. It meant so much to me to help Ben and another family, too. Because he's had two transplants, Ben now has four kidneys. According to Dr. Jonathan Hundley, Ben's surgeon, it's more intrusive to take the old kidney out when a new one goes in. Keeping it there does no harm, and it actually continues to function for a time. Getting a new kidney is an oddly refreshing feeling, Ben says. You wake up with tubes everywhere, but the new kidney is working instantly, he says. You're like a car that just changed a filter and put in a new tank of gas. You feel like you're having a cleansing shower from inside your body. Within a day, you feel fixed. Within a week, I was working out on the treadmill. A few months after his second kidney transplant, Ben, who went through Georgia Tech on a golf scholarship, was not only back on the golf course, he was competing at White Columns Country Club in Milton, Georgia to qualify for the U.S. Senior Open. He was in contention until he made a bogey on the 18th hole. Despite that, he shot an even par 72. It was a little different for Lisa. She doesn't talk about a cleansing shower, but says the procedure wasn't as bad as she expected. Her robotic surgery required only four small incisions, two for instruments, two for cameras to guide them. A bag is placed around her kidney, which is about the size of her fist, and pulled out through one of the small incisions. After Ben's surgery, the surgeons described his new kidney as big and beautiful. I, of course, wondered what mine looked like, Lisa said. They called it gorgeous, and that made me feel better. After the surgery, Lisa was taken to the transplant floor at Piedmont, Atlanta for 24 hours. In one of those it's-a-small-world coincidences, waiting for her was nurse Celia Ivory, who had been one of Ben's nurses after his surgery six weeks before. It was so comforting to be with people we knew, Lisa said. The Rainies have been through a lot. As Lisa's surgeon, Dr. Harrison Pollinger says, giving a kidney is a wonderful gift but it's not like dropping off some clothes at Goodwill. As a result, the Rainies share a deep sense of gratitude. We feel blessed, says Lisa, blessed enough to create a fund through the Piedmont Foundation to support another living donor coordinator. That's a significant gift, one that will add to Piedmont Healthcare's ability to find other kidneys that they need. The coordinators manage the whole process, the evaluation and matching of donors and recipients, plus other essential steps long before anyone enters the operating room. The Rainey's gift will help get people through the system faster. This is especially important for patients on dialysis, enduring long waits for a transplant. Their philanthropy has given the Rainey's a cause. In addition to creating a fund, the Rainey's take every opportunity to coach patients. We want to be a positive force to those under stress of illness, Lisa says. Ben is young enough that in 20 years or so, he might need a third kidney transplant. 
Some Atlanta patients have had four transplants. But Lisa's career as a donor is finished. She's gladly given all she can. it up for us this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on the Southern Sisters Radio Show. Remember the Pinter, Pinters Conference coming up on April 21st and 22nd at the Cobb Galleria. I will be there. Go sign up for my chocolate class. If you go to PinnersConference.com, you can use promo code Jenny, G-I-N-N-Y, to get 10% off a class and a free admission. Have a great week.